Welcome to Talking in Stations, a podcast about EVE Online. I am Matterall. Joining me today is Carneros. Good morning, folks. Elise Randolph. Hey, how's it going? We picked up Ashtarothy. Greetings, fellow Empyreans. And Exxon Fang. Hey, guys. Good morning. And our guest today is Noisy Gamer. Hello, everyone. All right, we have a lot to cover. Carneros, do you want to walk us through what this show's about? Oh, good morning. Yeah, happy to do so. I think this is season three, episode 15, if I get it right. And we're going to start with a little discussion about Recon Demoviks, which are now called Resnaborg Demoviks. Did I say that right? Yep. As far as I'm aware, you spe- you pronounce that right. You pronounce it the same way I do. Let's just put it that way. Okay. All right. Well, at least I got the right words in the right spot this time. Uh, Resnaborg Demoviks. They're a new uh, NPC type, non-player character. They're Triglavian. They have started appearing in high sec. We're going to talk about them for a moment and what they mean. Uh, and then we're going to spend most of the episode talking about July economic report for New Eden and also the July security report for New Eden. Those two have now been split into two parts uh, so we're going to talk separately about the economy and then about anti-botting, anti-RMT measures, and what that stuff means. So uh, uh, excited to have the support of Noisy Gamer for that. Uh, but starting it off, let's look at news reports for New Eden. Going over to my yellow page for that. Well, I'll just start with the first thing here. Um, CCP has done a fan fest in Finland at a dude's home. And it's kind of funny because it it has all the informality that you would expect. It's one guy and like 10 of his friends and about six devs and maybe one or two press that are hanging out in this guy's home. And it has a sauna and it has like a little outdoor area. And I love it because it's neat to see how Europeans live. I always, I've always envied the way Europeans live. Uh, and it's really neat to see that like the guy has a sauna inside his house and that kind of stuff. And so it's all very cool. But there was some stuff that was announced there that was uh, pretty important. Well, Carneros, I hand it back to you. What do you think? All right. All right. Well, one thing, uh, he'll, well, their main keynote wasn't even a keynote. It was a conversation between CCP Helmar, a.k.a. Hilmar, the CEO, and CCP Berger, who is the creative director. And the two of them sat there, and it felt like when we had our interview recently with uh, – when Talking Stations had uh, Hilmar on for an interview, it felt just like that, like part two. Um, and a couple things came out of it. They weren't intended to necessarily be big public announcements, but a couple things came out. One is, we're not going to do any more public roadmaps. No more public roadmaps. Kind of sounded like Nixon. It did. It was too Nixon, <laughs> not enough help. Yeah. I'm not a crook. All right, go ahead. Sorry. I do remember those broadcasts. I'm old enough. And then the another thing that they said was, well, they the biggest news was probably they introduced CCP Convict. Yes. So happy about this. You actually, if you've been in this game for a while, you actually know this guy. He looked familiar. You know who he is. He used to play as Bam Stroker and was a, a prominent character in the Australian EVE community. I legitimately could not have thought of a better better person for this role. No, fantastic. He's helped put on Eve Down Under. He's helped organize all kinds of stuff. Uh, I bet he's helped put two meetups together. At least you know him, right? 
Yeah, actually. Um, so he was part of Evebed and, and, you know, he did a lot of work with Evebed through like a, a sponsoring different community events, different community projects. Because, uh, you know, after a while, Evebet was making just so much money that they were like, wow, we got to do stuff with this. So they uh, they sponsored, I think, Crossing Zebras they had uh, a bunch of money going to. They had uh, a bunch of PvP contests that they were sponsoring prizes for. And just basically everything under the sun. And you were talking about Eve Meets. He actually was the, uh, unless I'm wrong here, I think he's the one that created EveMeet.com. Like, I'm pretty sure Bam is, is the guy that made that. He and a programmer did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... You know, a lot of uh, a lot of work working with the community, uh, so it's pretty cool to see to see him again. He's actually lost like quite a bit of weight as well, so he's looking even healthier, meaner, and, and better than ever. So this guy used to basically, if you even whispered anywhere in the Australian area, in area that you wanted to do a meetup, he would personally contact you, help you with all of the affairs, and then fly out to be at your event. He did it time and time again. You had to say his name three times. <laughs> yeah. He just appeared in the mirror. So I didn't say yet, though, what he's coming to do. He's going to do community work. He's going to join uh, CCP Falcon on the community team. What people might not know is there's actually a third position open on the community team. Sadly, they've already got all the applications they want for it, and that, that period is closed and they're going through them. But you can expect that one more a uh, little brother or sister is going to come join that family in the next uh, couple months. I don't know how long it'll take for them to reveal the person, but there's one more coming. We had CCB, we have CCB dopamine as well. So we're going to now have four uh, community people, presumably. I forgot he was on that team too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He does. Um, he does work with the CSM and uh, events and stuff. He's like their, their industry guy. Right. So uh, I know, he worked a lot with Blizzard before he came to work at CCP. So uh, they got like the technical stuff and then the community guy or like the Eve guy and they like match them, mash them together and then they have Falcon sitting on top. He, he also has been extraordinarily um, useful and friendly and coordinating with the streaming community. Talking about dopamine. Yes, dopamine. He, he orchestrated the, what was it, 48 hours, 72 hour live streaming afterwards where CC or after the invasion was released where they gave out a whole bunch of skins and they had a, a lot of us streamers sign up for like three hour windows. So it was like nonstop content for that period of time. Like he's done stuff like that. He's very accessible. He's been really good for the Twitch streaming community. Nice. So that's two, two pieces of news that came out of Finland. And then uh, about, I don't know, an hour or two after they switched the stream to just a camera sitting unattended and not, you know, and just everyone go have fun. No more presentations. Slow TV. And that's something that we want to get involved with. And then they dropped uh, the NER and the NSR together a little bit later in the month than normal. Last July, MER actually dropped on August 8th. This one, you know, dropped on August 23rd. So later in the month. But it might have had to do with vacations. It might have had to do with uh, the, the split into two reports. It could have been a number of things. Or it could have been that they were just holding it for a reasonable moment. Oh, I did not know that, Elise. Okay, so <laughs> it looks like there was a factor that might 
be too personal, but there, there was a, a, a key staff member who might have been unavailable for part of the month. And mazel tov to him. Uh, yeah. Uh, any other any other announcements uh, in, in terms of CCP news? Oh, September changes. I'm surprised that um, nobody's talking about what I consider to be the biggest thing that was announced, not just discussed, but announced during that interview, which is that in the next couple of weeks, we will be getting a new Eve portal app yeah. that will be further polished. And, and this is huge as far as I'm concerned, you will now be able to manage your skill queue and purchase new skills from within your, your mobile device. And they said that this is only the beginning of these kinds of things. It seems like they're trying to support this sort of stuff again. And they even said that PI could be on the roadmap. So very exciting stuff when it comes to alternate ways of, of interfacing with the EVE universe. They, they've had like this kind of on the back burner ever since I was on the CSM. I remember during CSM 6, they had a team come in and present like the idea of, hey, you know that boring stuff that you do in the client? What if you could do it while you're on the way back home to your computer or something like that? So you could uh, maybe manage contracts, a few of them. Um, obviously, this is something that's like eight years old. So so take it with a grain of salt. This is what they were considering back then. Uh, you could manage contracts, manage market orders, manage your skill queue, uh, stuff like that. Stuff that's that was kind of like a time sink when you got in uh, to the game, just so that when you actually have time to play, you just have all the action instead of all the uh, you know, kind of like more boring elements. The issue that they ran into with the previous Eve Portal app was that it was designed to be a flagship to dem to demonstrate ESI, right? And so the app was not allowed to do anything that a normal player, a, a normal third-party dev could do with access to the ESI. Now, I I don't believe, I didn't get the impression that they're adding skill queue updating to the ESI. So it looks like they're finally committing to having their app be functional and doing things that they're not willing to expose to the rest of the community. I'm sure it's a, well, well, first of all, this one they brought in house. So the previous one was built by an outside firm on their behalf. And this time they, they hired a staff and brought them in. And those, I'm sure those people took a moment to re review the whole vision for the project and, and it expanded it. Yeah. Cause I do remember something at the beginning about it originally being sort of an example for ESI. Wasn't it also uh, <clears throat> an interesting thing note in Eve history is that uh, there was a development uh, momentum that went up to around 2011, and then they hit the Incarna expansion, which was a bit of a problem. Then they turned their development direction to clean up uh, a lot of things that were wrong with Eve Online's balance. And they kind of stayed there uh, with uh, executive producer CCP Carnifex, if I'm not mistaken. When Carnifex had kind of finished two or three or four expansions uh, and fixed a lot of the problems that were on that list, he was kind of retired to do mobile, wasn't he? Like, I thought Pontifex. Thank you. Uh, no, it's Unifex. Yeah, Unifex. Unifex. Unifex was extraordinarily interested in mobile, but his stuff didn't ever really seem to pan out. I, I think I think what happened with Unifex is that he got thrown into the situation to save it, 
you know, to save everything after the combination of the Incarnate Summer of Rage and the introduction of Skyrim, because Skyrim came out at the same time. Um, so he came out, he came in the fix it. It was like, Hey, we need somebody. And he said, okay, fine, but I don't want to do this permanently. And I'm interested. And he was always interested in the mobile stuff. So it wasn't that he got like shoved to the side or anything. It's just that he wasn't, he did not want to be in charge of Eve online. He was, you know, it's like, so it's was like, he just wanted to like get off and then things happened that he was involved with. And I think he just like said, uh, heck with this. Well, thanks for clearing that up. I, it just seemed like it was a little, for the guy that had kind of done a huge amount for players, at least in Nilsic, uh, it seemed like he was saying, okay, and he's still going to be around. He's just going to be doing this little side project over here, the mobile device. I think that's how he was like phased out a little bit. But um, I know he worked a lot with, and he more or less handpicked CCB Siegel to be his replacement um, because they worked a lot on the the back end stuff. As you were mentioning, when they were, trying to, to shore up their technical debt type things uh, and to get the back end of EVE working as good as the, the front end of EVE. But Univex was great. I was on the CSM when Univex took over from, oh, geez, I forget his name. I think it had the Z in it. Zulu. Zulu, yeah. When So when Zulu uh, moved out and Univex took over, he was great. He was a, a guy from IBM, so he had a lot of like structure that at the time CCB weren't really known for it was kind of like this i don't want to say it was like a frat house but it did feel like a bunch of guys together doing cool stuff uh without without uh, a lot of management around and I, I think he instilled a lot of that structure he was also an avid eve online player uh so he absolutely loved it i remember one csm uh at the bar he was really proud that he had killed me before in uh nullsack <laughs> And he was basically bragging. He was like, hey, I, I don't know if you know, but I play EVE Online, and I absolutely destroyed you in a fight before. And I was like, oh, that's that's good to know, thanks. He was rubbing it in. I find it really funny that it was said that he was brought in because of Skyrim, because he's now with Bethesda. Yeah, and, and the thing is, it's like, uh, remember back in, in 2011, and you had the big drop-off? Yeah, it was it was like that whole 2011 thing was like really weird, and and because I, I got to talk to Unifex um, at FanFest, the the FanFest where he uh, basically stepped down, and he actually apologized to me because instead of like banning 400 people permanently, they just did a 30 day ban. It was uh it was a warp to zero uh, exploit. Oh, and it was 4,000, not 400 people. All right, one last thing on Unifex. Uh, in Los Angeles, he got thrown into the pool. Uh, was it Nathan that threw him in? But uh, Maybe Nathan it's was a there. Nathan thing. Yeah, who was uh, also an executive producer. He was the first one. You can see him. If you want to know who Nathan is, he was a big part of the personality. He was like guard before guard. A uh, big part of the personality that he was projecting. And you can see him in the video called, uh, what's the HT? HTFU. HTFU, which is hard. He's the one who's the techno Viking in HTFU. <laughs> yeah, the shirtless guy. Un, you can't miss him. That's who he was. Uh, anyway, and, um, yeah, so Unifex went into the pool. I think they saved his phone. I don't remember, but that was kind of funny. Well, back to news for a moment. Yeah. There were some, there's a September patch coming, and they've told us a few things that are coming in it, such as ships will automatically go into warp after three minutes of bumping regardless if they're bumping on an asteroid or if they're 
faces bumping up against some very mean material in high psych. Uh, in either case, they will, if they've tried to go into warp and they just don't touch their keyboard in three minutes at a minimum, they will go into warp. Uh, this is uh, helpful for some people, less so for others. Uh, fitting window will now have warning lights <laughs> if you're about to make certain kinds of mistakes. Why didn't they have that when we were starting, you know? Well, because back then we decided that Eve needed to be hard, and so you shouldn't be warned if you're mixing your tank or you're mixing your guns or anything like that. So this is part of the new player experience cleanup, huh? Correct. <laughs> okay. As, as CCP Hilmar said, it's not about making things harder, but it's about making things what more well explained. Interesting. And then... In, in terms of not very well explained obscure items in EVE, maybe you have seen friend or foe missiles. They're, they're abbreviated FOF missiles, and they are in a section of the ammo market in GDA, and no one ever buys them really. Well, there's now even less reason as of the September patch, because CCP has uh, uh, set it up to enforce a range limitation that wasn't well enforced before and um, rem thereby removed a wormhole exploit. <laughs> uh, so there's now no reason to ever buy these. If you have any... Well, okay. That's so, so sad. The, no, there, the there are the definitely still reasons. Yeah, friend friend missiles should have friends. No, no, it's just not friend or foe. It's fire and forget, I believe. It, it's friend or foe. Is it? Yeah. It used to be auto-targeting. Now it's F... Because friend, uh, fire and forget would be F-A-F. Okay, forget. <laughs> but either way, so so basically, the short of it was that people were using FOF missiles to hit things that were outside of maximum lock range, and therefore the rats themselves were not reacting to it, and therefore they could just sit there and shoot them all day without actually getting shot at from like 350, oh, something like that. That's amazing. Oh, so that's man. what's getting fixed. Um, what's, what's that? What's but, that mean? What's that mean? It means less. Uh, risk-free ratting in in black hole wormholes. What's it mean to you, Elise? I mean, it's super cool. I I don't do any NPCing in wormholes, but I kind of wish I did, <laughs> just so I could have done this. Like, yeah, let's. <laughs> I, I love I the fact that there was like nobody in the world was using these missiles because there's literally no reason to now that you can lock people that are jamming you. Well, well, there there, there was they were they were kind of popular with bot botting. I, oh. I've seen quite a few explorers, high sec explorers like it because you just like have a Drake with a full rack of FOF that are all unlinked. And so you warp into the den and you just launch them all and fly from one end of the den to the other. But that's a key. That's a key clue there. They were used for botting. Bad, mm. bad, bad, bad. Another, another thing that CCP has said, their goal is to eliminate or reduce botting. But we'll come back to that later in the program. Uh, anything else that's coming in the September patch that we haven't talked about? We, we I think we spent plenty of time on the sinusoral changes. I also want to talk about that bumping thing because there's two pieces to that that's really interesting. First of all, we actually have had a very serious bug in invasions where a single rat will get caught on the rock and will just get stuck in warp forever. And they're 400 kilometers away, so we can't finish the site. And we there's various strategies to try to deal with it, but they're all giant pains in the butt. So this conveniently fixes that problem. Um, and then to all of the bumpers that are really mad about this, 
all you have to do is suicide a scram onto them to reset the timer to back to zero. So, so we're gonna see rookie ships out there scramming uh, freighters. Probably, yeah. Because think about it: once you're scrammed, your warp stops, and therefore you have to reinitiate warp, and that starts the timer over. Okay, yeah. There, there. Um, there's a new patch on Singularity, and people have been going through it. And one of the 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 most attractive, pretty fun things that you'll see in this new patch is actually in Jita on Jita 4.4. If you undock uh, a Jita 4.4 alt uh, on Singularity and just stop your ship and look at what they're doing to the structure, you can see they've got a little I don't, house renovation project, you might call it, <laughs> going on there. And you could tell, okay, well, they're working on this section and they're working over here and they're working over here. And you can tell they're going to do phases of this and they're going to uh, they're remodeling this station. And it's you can hear cool. it. They have uh, some sound files that sound like construction at work, which is amazing. That's very amazing. So, I never turn. So right now, sound. it's all just gantries, right? They're not. They haven't actually constru constructed anything, but they have like the gantries in place. The physical architecture of Jita does not change. I know some people have been wondering like how this is going to affect bookmarks or whatever. Like all of the Jita 4.4 that was there is still there, but there is. Two extensions, one kind of going off towards its right and one going off towards its back left. But then there's four other buildings that are not connected to Jita 4.4 that are on the same grid that are kind of in a line off to the right. And it's unknown whether or not those are designed to stay there or are other structures under construction that will be used other places. Now, is the uh, the lore aspect of this is like they're doing this renovation because they increased taxes. <laughs> so now they've got all this <laughs> money going around. So like, oh, let's just do a fixed rupper for G to 4.4. Well, yeah, there's also it's interesting because they've done a couple of things with it. One, uh, they had a lore article that basically founded a new consortium. So um, kind of like Upwell Consortium. But this is a conglomerate of several organizations from all four empires that are working together to do this G to 4.4 thing. And the reason why I think that's important is because it speaks towards something else, very similar to the Arturitas, which is the um, Amar flagship battleship that we all focused on being made for uh, two months that ended up not being important at all, but was just resulted in the death of Jamil. So here we have this massive construct by, by the Kaldari. At the same time, we see other files in the in, other things in the file like um, Kaldari Site 1, 2, and 3, Kaldari Calm Tower, and Kaldari Elevator. So there's signs that there's something else going to happen in the plot involving G to 4-4. Neat. Tell your son we said hello. <laughs> Say hi. All right. Hi. 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 Oh. So if you're looking at the live stream, you can see a picture there um, that is taken from Singularity. And, and uh, wow. Our producer, Captain McLeod, has outlined a few sections where you can see the, uh, the activity. And we'll put that pic in the show notes as well. It due to the lag in, in Twitch. The okay. one that people seem to be most interested in is there seems to be this small tube with some sort of effect being projected out of it. And so we're not 100% we're not sure what this thing is, but um, it doesn't appear to be just simply more construction on 4.4, if that makes sense. Okay, who wants to talk about GM week that just ended? Game Master week. 
we need some sound effects. Well, we're in, yeah, we're in Game Master Week, and um, or actually, we're not in it anymore since it's Sunday, right? So that was probably last week. But they uh, had some. I think this is what they did the time before, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. But they would find ships that were doing things that they shouldn't be, like botting or that sort of thing, and they're transported to high sec to be mauled by a group of uh, players that were. Basically, they're throwing people to the lions and high sec. I believe they, I believe they called it Bashabot. Bashabot. Okay. The, so basically, the, super yeah. expensive ships get transported to a system that they're, uh, yeah, Uli, and they're destroyed by a crowd. And they're destroyed by a crowd. So that's the, the games they do. They have other games they've been doing uh, all week, but they've also had a weekend with extra skill points. So we're on the third day of that. If you haven't logged in, log in and get some free skill points when you log in. Yeah, they also had a, a bunch of really neat little side uh, side events going along at the same time. Like there was a uh, a cooking competition coming up with like a, a cooking like a recipe, an Eva Lime themed recipe. Uh, There's just a bunch of like little things that were eh, just just fun to do, things to build camaraderie for. I'm excited to see who wins the the cooking competition. I want to see what what the Eve recipe is going to be. Is it going to be also- amazing? They also made a video, right? Didn't they make a video introducing the week and they showed uh, some of the GMs and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. they also did a scavenger hunt. They did, well, they did several scavenger hunts, one for each section of space. They did GM roams. They reintroduced the police pursuit skins and the emergency response skins onto the nest market for the week. There's a lot of little things here and there that they did, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Naming the meeting rooms for the, for the new office that CSB are going to be moving into. That was one of the things. Oh yeah, I can't wait for you for CSM to meet at, at, in the Monocle Gate office. All right, so that's GM week, right? Yeah, and then outside of CCP news, there's there's been some, uh, uh, ex, uh, we'll call it escalated border conflict between Winter Coalition and Legacy Coalition, with some level of friends on both sides. Winter's been bringing friends to the party. Um, Legacy's friends have been sadly sometimes shooting their ships instead, but uh, but had good <laughs> intentions. It's it's hard to shoot straight in the blackout. Well, when you see a, a a Titan boson ratting with a skimpy skimpy tap tank, I mean, it was practically wearing a bathing suit. It can be tempting to just <laughs> go over there and shoot it instead. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. It was skimpy. Yeah. And then there were some ratting supers and, you know, ratting supers, dude. Yeah. We actually just had Billy on. So you can go back to one of the podcasts there and listen to what the latest was uh, as of a few days ago. Uh, that's really the head FC for the legacy. Oh, one last thing. Um, this is premature, but uh, eVegas is coming in less than two months now, right? I'm excited. But there's more stuff before that. You know, there's yeah, like G Fleet. G Fleet. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Sorry. G Fleet in London. Is that before or after? Uh, G Fleet's in uh, in September, I think September, the middle of September, and then it's Vegas, and then it ends with uh, London. That's where the Invasion Tour finally comes to a close. And between now and G Fleet, there's actually TwitchCon, but I don't know that anything's, I don't know if CCP's doing anything for that. They haven't said anything. You know, know, you said skimpy bathing suit, and I just thought Vegas, so that's how that happened. It's association. Okay, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> it works. But let's let's switch from the news part of the segment 
over to one of our, our main topics and let's look at the resin. There, well, but there, there's another thing that happened in the news that a lot of people have actually missed that has been extremely impactful. Um, and the reason why people missed it was because it was only announced in, as a lore update and there was no patch about it. But we've seen a significant increase in connections to drifter wormholes to the, uh, to the effect of from going from 10 connections upwards to 30 plus connections no, no, at no, any no, given time. That. Twice that. Well, that's why I said plus. it's been fluctuating. So 30 to 60, yes. Um, and this has provided a lot of connections between NullSec regions that have not seen connections before. The other thing is that the drifter wormholes also can only really spawn, I believe, in systems with drifter towers in or near them, which actually limits the number of places where they will connect to. So those connections are connecting to kind of the same places over and over again. But at the same time, they've also upped the number of connections and the areas of wormhole space that it will connect to. So you're seeing a lot of extra connections from wormhole space to NullSec as well. So um, it's really interesting because a few years back, they actually reduced the number of wormhole connections into NullSec. Um, and, and this seems to not necessarily be a direct undoing of that uh, change, but rather a workaround being established. And it's unknown how long this will last or, or whatnot. But it has impacted a lot of people because, as I said, a lot of people ha didn't even know that this has happened. And so a lot of organizations are more yeah. exposed than they realize. Let's talk about these new wormholes that you just brought up. One is they tend, they tend to always be the small size, like frigate destroyer size. So they're not, they're not optimal for bringing a large, larger ship type fleet with a lot of mass. However, uh, they're also not vulnerable to being rolled because, uh, for a couple reasons. One is because they regenerate uh, some of their mass uh, ability. And two is because they're located in a little dead space pocket that attracts drifter NPCs. And, and um, those things will, will, will kill and eat you if you stay on grid with them. So uh, realistically bringing enough frigate-sized whole rolling equipment to roll it quickly before it can regenerate without encountering any of the loving embrace of drifter NPCs is, is more or less not worth trying. And these are not the weaker drifter NPCs that attack NullSec. These are full-scaled, supported by cruisers, doomsdaying, overshield-wielding drifters. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're the, they're the big spooky monsters in the deep, right? Um, but yeah, Coronaris is totally right. This uh, These things are great if you're going to have a frigate or uh, destroyer roam through through NullSec, and it's uh, it's something that the, it's already quite popular in the meta, right? To take either Retributions roaming around, or uh, Kikimor is roaming around, and these things can take down Oracles. They can take down Stukas. batting carriers, yeah, and even Stukas. Wow. So I'm sure uh, Pando's super excited about this change. She can go all over the place now. Pando um, takes them out multiple times every day. Yeah, and he's only one FC. So it's, um, you know, it's just a matter, and, and you mentioned a big thing, you can't roll them easily, right? So uh, beforehand, if you wanted to defend your region, you see this strange uh, wormhole pop up. Uh, and if, you know, you're a really organized region, you say, hey, let's roll it. Uh, so you just take a few battleships, go back and forth, blah, blah, blah. It's done, threat over. 
but now, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really hard to, uh, to roll it. So you just have to sort of live with it uh, existing in your space for, for some time. So, so the net effect is more ambushing avenues into NullSec. Exactly. They, they want that, that MER number to go even further down. Uh, but more likely they just want uh, gangs to like run into each other a little bit easier and you know maybe the sense to to make you feel a little bit smaller and bigger at the same time right so if you're in small ships you can attend a a fleet fight that's on the other side of the universe but you can't take anything huge well i think it's clear that the era of nullsec as you knew it is over if you're waiting for it to come back i don't think it's coming back yeah, I think uh, I think Nullsec is going to continue to be a, a dangerous place uh, where you know you can't just really AFK harvest minerals or uh, you know multi-box different uh, bounties. I think it's going to be go back to what they originally intended it to be, uh, which is just uh, this spooky endgame content. But they did mention that you know they've been nerfing the. Or they've been increasing the risk over and over and over again. And I think CCB Rise mentioned this explicitly. Like now that they have this under control in terms of the faucets, uh, they, they're going to need to add reward back into the equation, right? Because right now it's probably too risky. And I think if you're a, a Nullsec ratter or a, a miner, you probably agree with the sentiment that's a little bit too risky right now. Hilmar reinforced that point too during the interview. Yeah, there you go. Oh. And he commented that it was covered very well on Talking in Stations interview with Rise, actually. That one section, he said, uh, yeah, he references. So thanks for that. Um, the other thing that he said, uh, it's not just NullSec that's uh, getting their difficulty level raised. It's also wormholers. It sounded like he wanted to make it harder to roll. Um, sorry. Yeah, he wanted to make it harder to roll holes in general, which is essentially what wormholers do to close the doors to their system. Uh, that's their vulnerability points, right? People coming into their system to uh, wreck the place. So if they can control those doors, they can control their home. And I think he wants to take that away. And also, like the it's what's becoming meta right now is uh, having stable access to a wormhole and just rage rolling to any region you want, right? So if you say ah, oh, today I just really want to go to Delve over and over again, uh, then you could do that easily. Within like half an hour, you can uh, roll like a dozen holes and eventually one will lead to Delve or Delve adjacent and just super easy to go in there, get out and do whatever you want. And I think that's that's where the meta is going right now, where these uh, small and medium-sized groups are saying, hey, this, this is uh, an easy thing to do. We can be like mini Volta over here and just go anywhere we want. So they're kind of nipping this in the bud a little bit. And um, also, I guess, taking the wind out of the sails of some of these uh, roaming groups. Well, it's important to note that no details were given. They just merely said that the act, the ability to roll holes, and he said two different things. One, it provides too much control, but then he seemed to be searching for a different word, and he used words like pedantic. So what I got from it was that like there's this process that is boring and 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 routine that also allows them to basically circumvent the the design of things. So like I don't think that they're going to necessarily just like end hole rolling altogether. They may add some sort of risk to it. They may add a cooldown, like a longer cooldown to the hole regenerating, something along those lines. 
So, um, and at the same time, they may even give wormholers a better control directly. So that's like, well, if you want to roll your hole once, then maybe, but like it's the repeated, as uh, Lisa was saying, after half an hour plus of doing the same system over and over again, because it's all formulaic, then you can get what you want. And that's just not fun for anybody. Uh, another important thing to note on the wormholes is people who PVE in wormholes also roll wormholes as a safety mechanic. They'll roll the wormholes and then not warp to the new SIGs, which effectively delays them respawning, which makes them significantly more safe to do their PVE activities in the hole. So that could that style of uh, making is could see a uh, kind of a nerf bat too. And uh, for those, I, I saw someone Reddit where people were like, "Oh, you should, uh, you should always take this with a grain of salt." When CSB says something, uh, especially these high level guys, it doesn't always happen. And you know that's been true for 15 years. But I just want to remind you guys at Eve Down Under, Hilmar literally just made a statement off the cuff that was not planned or rehearsed saying how uh, Nullsec had it a little bit too easy and he wanted to add uh, danger back into the mix. And then a month and a half later, local vanished from Nullsec. So I wouldn't just uh, uh, poo-poo on these these things as you know pipe dreams that will never come true or never happen. I have a feeling we're going to be seeing a lot more uh, stuff like this coming. Watch this space. Uh, Corner. Is that the end of the news? I have one little announcement to make afterwards. Yeah, go for it. Good announcement time. Yeah. If you like news, check out uh, our stream. I'm going to try to stream every weekday. Uh, It's a new segment called um, What's Up in EVE Online. And it's really just going to be an update to the stories that we're following on EVE Online, some of the stuff that's fresh that day, and also some discussion on people's reactions, that sort of thing. That's going to be every day, Uh, probably around... Same time as this show, uh, 1600 UTC or 9 a.m. Pacific time, noon Eastern time. Check it out. And then tomorrow we also have the whole story, right? What what time does that air? That's the one uh, hosted by Exuki Z. He comes on at 5 p.m. Pacific, which is the same uh, as the uh, midweek show, which is now on Wednesday. Boy, we just got to get our programming. That's one. Up. That's one o'clock uh UTC. Time, i think yeah it's 1 a.m utc yeah so it's a ustc show i'm extraordinarily excited to see uh, to hear what izuki has to say about all of this because you know lots of good wormhole changes and then he was actually the first post on the announcement of the uh um changes to friend, friend or fire missiles he said the era of safe ratting in wormholes is dead or something like that. So Great. he obviously has a lot more insight as to what's going on with these things than, than we do. So I'm excited to hear what the, he has to say. That's why it's good to have a wormhole around the CSM, right? So amen. One last thing. And that is that the what's up in Eve online is also going to be turned into a podcast in whole. We're just going to put it out on a separate RSS and I will let you know what that RSS feed is in talkinginstations.com and on the next show when we actually name it and have it produced and put out there. So you're going to get a bunch more talking in stations. Uh, we'll try to do it every day. Now let's go on to our next topic, which is Rasnaborg Damovix. Um, bef- uh, uh, we kind of want to break this down into what's going on with them now. And then secondly, what does this mean for the future? So uh, first of all, let's uh, uh, welcome back Exxon Fang, 
to tell us about uh, what what are Rasnaborg Damovics and what are they doing? So the Rasnaborg Damovics, formerly known as Recon Damovics, are Triglavians uh, appearing in HiSec, but appearing outside of the invasion site. So these are like little reconnaissance parties going around uh, getting more information for the Triglavians. They first started appearing on August 14th, uh, first kills just after downtime on that day. Uh, and then for about a week, uh, continued to appear until August 20th, about 1700, at which point they disappeared for about a full day, coming back the next day at 1800, renamed as Rasnaborg Damoviks. They appear in random, non-invasion systems in HiSec. They warp between asteroid belts, capsular citadels, engineering complexes, refineries, planets, and moons, and as of a couple of days ago, started to appear in things like exploration sites uh, in gangs of one to five of these frigates. They'll engage any capsuleers they find on grid, and they'll scan both citadels, and I've noticed them scanning some other objects like moon rocks and, and things like that. Pretty much any object that they can't attack. Yep. And then I, I've been hunting them, and we actually did a much longer segment on this on the last Thursday show where I kind of go over how you go about hunting them. But the TLDR is it's great descan practice. You have to go around descan them around. You can make about 50 to 100 mil an hour if you're finding them quickly and killing them quickly. So it's you know pretty profitable for, for something in high sec. Um, but the important things to note are that if you're like trying to avoid them or anything like that, is they don't currently have any way to lock players down on grid. They don't have anything that's going to scram you or point you. Uh, so if you do notice them uh, come on grid, you should be able to just warp off. Uh, you can also watch for them on D-scan to get a little bit of a early warning for them if you're in a weaker ship. Um, we've been noticing they seem to stick to the same system for the entire day. So if you see them in one system, they're going to continue to be there the entire day. If you kill the frigates that are in that system, they're going to respawn instantaneously somewhere else in the system. Uh, after downtime, they appear to switch which systems they are in. Uh, so basically every day you're going to want to go around, descan your system, make sure you're being thorough and getting all of the citadels because they could be hiding at them, uh, to check to see whether or not they're in that system. If you don't see them, you're probably safe for that day. What they have been doing, though, or, or what this really means for the players, is that they're killing a lot of people who are AFK in, uh, in high sec, or if they're bots, because a lot of the bots haven't, haven't yet figured out how to avoid them. Well, the, if you look at the Z-Kill board for Rasnaborg Damavix, which you could do, you see they kill a hell of a lot of ventures. Why ventures? What, are, is that some popular botting ship? I mean, it's likely they catch them on the belts and they're going to pop those things right away. So if somebody's just in a venture in a belt in a system with a Rasnaborg Namovic, on a long enough timeline, you're probably going to die before you can respond. Yeah, for Vetra specifically, you're going to want to be watching D-Scan on a really short AU, be aligned out and warp the second you see them get close. Or pick a system that they're not in. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll just confirm the... Uh... Uh, thing about the bots because I've seen some tears about these uh, tri new Trilivian ships coming in and uh, uh, wiping them out. I, one botter had it happen to him twice in one day. Again, move systems. Either way. Um, yeah, the one correction I do have is that they do actually appear in, in invasion systems. I don't know whether or not this is like super important or relevant, but I have actually seen them in invasion systems. So, so it's both. not only outside. Okay. It's anywhere in high sec. 
new players and this being unfriendly to them? Can you guys comment on that? So they specifically avoid rookie systems. So if you're in a rookie system, you should be safe from these. Um, but I think it's a great way for new players to learn about D-Scan and because that's critically important for every single other area of the game. It's a good way to get them used to checking their D-Scan and seeing what's in the system. Super important now, isn't it? Without uh, At least in Nilsec. Yep, especially now so. In a lot of cases, when somebody gets ganked in Hisec, what I often see is this incorrect assumption that Hisec is supposed to be safe. That traveling in Hisec is supposed to be safe. That mining in Hisec is supposed to be safe. And even though those threats obviously exist, those threats are all mostly other players. And so I believe that these relatively low-level threats help establish the idea that no, you are not absolutely safe. You must take basic precautions to protect yourself. And the very same precautions that it takes to deal with Resnaborg uh, ships, because there's soon to be more than just Amavix, um, the, those precautions also help protect you against things like suicide gankers. So tell us what this means for the future. Why are they doing this? Where are they going with this? What's the story arc behind it? Well, so the first clue is like the word Rasnaborg itself, which we believe, or I believe, uh, is actually like the Triglavian word for recon. Prior to their invasion, we received series of videos from the Triglavians. And after they showed us the world arc, the last couple was like scans of individual systems where they seem to be um, interested in the physical properties of space in that area, but then also showed things like what Capsuleer was flying through at that time, uh, what stations are there, et cetera, et cetera. And so they're interested in what's going on. And at the top of each of those sheets, it said Rasnaborg and then like a collection of letters and numbers, which leads us to believe, leads me to believe at least that Rasnaborg means reconnaissance. So I think that they probably changed the names um, to, to stop confusing people, especially since they're doing recon changes at the exact same time. Having this word recon was instantly confusing to players. So this is really locking down the fact that these are things that are doing reconnaissance, not necessarily cruisers that can't be seen by D-Scan. Um, that being said, we do see other points in the note. Aegis has said that they have not started uh, planet fall yet, which is different than some of the more, the invasions actually have been supposedly invading different planets and structures and such like that. Um, what this is actually leading towards, it's difficult to say. It is an escalation um, of their aggressiveness, I guess you could say. Um, and what we do know is that there is more coming. There is more aggressive Rasnaborg. Um, as I said, there is Kikimora Rasnaborgs. And then there are also anchoring Rasnaborgs. So the nomenclature of these ships are consistent from the abyss to invasion to here. So starving will be nuding, tangling will be webbing, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so far, there are no anchoring Damoviks or anchoring Rasnaborgs, which anchoring are the scram uh, rats. However, in Sissy, we see anchoring Kikimoras and anchoring Damoviks in the Rasnaborg. Resnaborg. You say the word enough times and it like loses all meaning, right? Uh, so what this means is that 
pretty soon there's going to be the chance for these things to actually hold you on grid. So you're going to need to either have a scout or be able to deal with these small frigates. They're not overly tough. They're not like diamond rats where it's like a frigate that can take out a cruiser or battleship. They are roughly the same as the frigates that you see in like invasion sites, but they aren't trivial either. So, um, and this also corresponds with other things that we've seen on Sissy that represents escalations. We, there's a new construction yard in the abyss where they seem to be building new ships that um, some people suspect are, in fact, Triglavian dreadnoughts. Okay, killing these Rasenborgs that are there now, do they pay any exceptional bounty? Do they drop any cool loot? So they, the frigates themselves will drop the column filaments, uh, Triglavian survey data. Very rarely they'll drop the data cores, which are used for research. Um, and then you can salvage them for the same kind of salvage you get out of the invasion sites. Uh, generally, each pack gives me anywhere between like 3 and 15 mil of loot. Uh, and like I said earlier, if you go about doing this for an hour, you can expect to make between 50 and 100 mil an hour. Assuming you're in something that can warp fast and assuming you're not having issues de-skinning them down and finding them. So you say when you blow them up, they respawn somewhere else in the same system. Are they respawning in, in packs or as individuals? They always stay in packs. Yep, they spawn in packs. I very often it's between two and five, more often probably three or four range, but... And do they, they spawn fast enough and deep, densely enough that you can farm them Correct. as PvE? If you keep hunting them, yeah. Like you, you'd have to find where they go, where they appear. It's constantly hunting for them. And the other problem, the biggest problem is that they can go to any structure. So they can go to structures that you can't warp to. Or at least you can't see on your overview. So you have to be kind of smart about how you identify where they are. And they can be pretty tricky. They are pretty mobile, which is why uh, Exxon's stressing how fast you warp. Because, you know, getting seeing them and getting on top of them and stopping them from moving to the next site is probably one of the biggest, um, like, stages of time consumption, I guess, in the process of, of farming these guys. Yeah, so I've been using a Cinnable that's been hyperspatial rig and has warp accelerators in the lows. So I get my AU up to like 8.2 and my line time down to three seconds. And even then, I still, you know, in warp to one of the locations where they're at, they'll warp off somewhere else. Have you, uh, you said they respawn in packs. Have you ever tried killing all but one of them just to see what they do? Uh, they will not respawn until that last one dies, as far as I can tell. Ah, so you you could be saving systems by killing all but one of their group, and so it'll just be this one guy that is left. Yeah, and I have heard, I haven't confirmed it myself, but Bard Hest uh, was saying that if you are in a fleet that's big enough, uh, that's scary enough to the Triglavians, they actually won't engage you. He was throwing out two Orcas or seven Barges, and they just won't engage you because they think that's too much threat. I haven't been able to independently confirm that, but um, that might be part of their behavior tree. Neat. I want to circle back and stress the fact that these guys are, in almost every single way, just a bunch of Triglavian invasion rats that happen to not be in an invasion. So if you think of them just as the same basic way as a roaming pack in invasion, then it they, they function basically like that. Same loot, same concept, same behaviors. Cool. Okay, gotcha. Um, so the, let's... Um, so they... 
to try to tie it into the New Eden economy for a second, they drop some useful things and they're worth farming, but you know, you can get that stuff from the invasions as well. Uh, or from uh, using the filaments to go into the triglavian sites. Incorrect. It is not the same loot from the abyss. It is this loot from invasion. So okay. loot, basically the stuff to make T1 triglavian ships are gotten in the abyss. And the things to turn those into T2 triglavian uh, uh, stuff is found in invasions and in these Rasnaborg. Roger. Okay. Well, let's turn our attention now to the performance of the New Eden economy in July. Uh, so let's look at the MER, as we call it, the Monthly Economic Report. And, and for this, uh, thank you very much for your help, Noisy. It is appreciated. For those of you who don't know Noisy Gamer, he, he um, has a, a, a blog called The Nosy Gamer. A little bit different spelling. Good to know. Am I saying that right? Uh, yes, you are. Okay. Uh, and then he's, he's a, a well-known uh, pundit in the Eve community, especially about, especially about security and botting and RMT issues, which is fantastic. We need experts on that, and we're going to tap that expertise later too, uh, when we talk about the security part of this show. But um, what were your first impressions when you jumped into the slightly late arriving July MER? Oh, I, I I've been like watching. Um the figures on Dotland and I looked at it. I looked at the, at the figures. And the first thing I did was look at the, um, uh, what's it called? The, but uh, the bounties. And it, I, I looked at it and said, yeah, that's confirming what I'm seeing that there's a, that activity just basically tanked or PVE activity basically tanked in, um, in uh, NullSec. Uh, because that's that's basically where most of the bounties are collected is nullsec, and and it was like um, when Rise said on the interview that he did on Talking in Stations that th that the moves that they're making are not geared toward you know uh, collect you know trying to like milk money out of uh, uh, out of players. Yeah, he wasn't kidding, and I think the MER for July shows that. What do you mean? Well, apparently, you know, you always have the, you always have the the conspiracy theorists that say, oh, the, a company is making a change to the game, so therefore they're trying to milk, milk money out of the players. If you look at what happened with the MER and combine that with what's happening on Dotland, it's you you just see that so many uh, accounts went inactive in um july I, also i'm also looking at the uh uh at the uh sales of plex in in the forge it, it the, the amount of activity of players it, it looks like players just like shut down all of the reading accounts or a lot of the reading accounts and you can see it from the mer you can see it from dotland you can see and you just like it, it's just if you wanted to make money by increasing the amount of accounts that are paid for and everything, this this blackout was not the way to do it. I'm pretty sure it was not part of their motivation. Right. This is not leading to people to activating more accounts, and it's not leading to people buying skill injectors to to inject into a new thing, as has been suggested, is what you're trying to say. Yeah, basically. Ba basic, yeah, basically, this is 
basically this is one of those deals where it, a comp- if a company thinks that they have to make a change to make the game better and if, if it hurts them financially, but it's going to make the game better. That's what kind of what we're seeing now, at least that's what it just from the economic news. That's what it looks like. CCP believes is going on. Okay. So we've heard that this is Hilmar's way of making last ditch efforts to make some money, to meet his goals, to get his bonus, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's the, if that's the case, then he's totally incompetent because that's not what's going on. <laughs> okay, we'll put that to rest. Then. Let's assume that's not what it is. But let's it's uh, not the case. Let's look, yeah. Okay, so I, I want to start too by also talking about faucets and sinks because this is sort of a game industry dev term that has extended now into. Um, the, the players, but not everybody knows what it what we mean by that. It's a, a faucets means a place where ISK is running into the game like water. It's a, like a, a play a place where new game currency is spawning in the into the game economy, and then a sink is a place where um, in game currency is being removed from the economy. Trade between two players if if. Elise sells me a Damovic. Isk going back and forth between us does not count. It didn't show up out of thin air and it didn't leave the economy. It just moved around inside the economy. So that doesn't count. So two examples that kind of demonstrate the non-intuitive nature of this. Ship destruction is a faucet, not a sink, because insurance causes new Isk to be brought into the system. And therefore, when a ship is destroyed, Sure, you could th- say that it's a material sink, but it is an ISK faucet. Meanwhile, things like LP, LP rewards, are actually a sink, not a faucet, because no new ISK is generated. Items that are worth money are generated, but you actually consume ISK to m- purchase those mo- those things, and that ISK goes to the NPCs. Yeah, if you never buy anything on a loyalty point store, when you go in and look at the menu and pick something you want, you're giving them loyalty points and ISK, and in return, they're giving you goods. So, And that ISK is not going to another player. It's leaving the economy. So it's a sink. Thanks. Yeah, basically, if you take a look at uh, what CCP has said, you know, both Rise and Hilmar has said about the uh, amount of ISK in the game, think of it as uh, basically CCP has left the, uh, the faucet on, and the uh, drain is clogged, so the, the 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 water's not draining as like it's supposed to. And at the point where they were where they started making the changes, the water was actually starting to overflow the sink. Probably has been for a little while, and most of the kitchen is starting to fill up. <laughs> yeah, I think we're uh, we're knee deep in water. Start bailing. So McLeod has put up our producer. Thank you. Has put up a chart on screen which you can see. Um, and towards the far right, you see a sudden orange cliff. Dude, can you put that back up? Thank you. You see a sudden <laughs> orange cliff. Uh, that that top line goes boom. That's the that's the start of the blackout, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah, that's that dip correct. just before that looks like drifters, right? Like if you back up a few weeks, there's a first dip and then a second dip. Well, there. 
CCP's been making a few changes. Um, I think that there was an anomaly change back then. I'm, I'm, I'm starting. Everything's starting to run together to, uh, in my mind right now. So, but there's been they've been making a few changes and rise in the interview that he did with you guys uh, made mention of that. So it, it's it's not something that has just started, but the blackout just you know that that cliff. You could see it was already sloping down, 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 and then it fell off the cliff. So yeah, yeah that was from the um, the NSA changes as well as uh, some other fighter changes that they made. At least I'm kind of curious what you think's going on here, since you've been at this for so long, uh, playing in Nullsec for so long. I mean, it's it's clear that they're trying to make uh, <laughs> as you're trying to as you were mentioning before the the faucets have been running for so long the the house is flooded right so they're they're trying to fix that issue to make sure that doesn't uh, the house doesn't keep flooding and uh, you know they're they're just trying to make it so these ca- from what I from what I understand from the the CCPers they don't like the idea that titans are replaceable right like that that whole concept to them. Uh, is like, oh, that's super broken. And I think Kilmore even mentioned it uh, with his chat with CCP Burger. He, he, that was like offensive to him in, in, in a way. Uh, they don't like that that NullSec became, in a way, so much safer than all other areas of space when it comes to uh, making money. So they're just trying to fix uh, fix that. I think they've, they've probably gone a little bit too far. Uh, I mean, uh, I definitely think they've gone too far. So they're going to have to add reward back into the mix. But... Uh, it, it's one of those situations where they it's just been running rampant for so long that they, that they don't really care so much about adding the, the reward back in uh, quickly. The problem is... I think they're, and, they're and, carving uh, a hole for themselves. M- maybe, that's true. But the, the problem, and this is something that Carneros mentioned right when the blackout started, is uh, there are a lot of people that are just not going to stay in NullSec and, and rat anymore, right? Like, there's just going to be a dearth of, of targets at some point, which is bad for the ecosystem. I'm not saying that you should just let it run rampant and, and stuff like that. Obviously, this was an issue that I think any EVE player could could notify or like uh, could see and say, hey, this is a, a huge issue. But uh, they're going to have to keep iterating on this in order to, to make sure the ecosystem stays fine. Um, there's that notion that eventually someone's going to start ratting again. Like some guy is going to say, you know what, this is risky, but I'm going to be that guy that does it. And I'm going to get, I'm going to get that bread. Uh, And then his neighbor is going to say, Oh, this guy's doing it. So they're going to start coming back. But uh, that's a process looking at the seminar. That's a process that's going really, really, really slowly. Well, the hunters need to give up first, right? So if the hunters decide that there are no targets left and so they go do something else, then that actually opens up the opportunity for people to go out there and just do stuff because there actually aren't people out there to punish them for it. Yeah, but you want you want some sort of uh, you want an ecosystem where the hunters can get can get fed and the huntees have a reason to go out there to like to risk it all. Correct. I'm just saying that we're going through a period of a correction and then recorrection, right? So yeah, it's become yeah. really, really dangerous. So people don't want to rat and it's going to take a little while before it quote unquote becomes safe enough for people to deem it worthwhile. Or the um, opposite becomes valuable enough to risk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, however that cost benefit analysis gets, gets calculated, it changes over time. Um, but also like this, this reminds me of like Phoebe jump changes because a lot of people got mad about that. And a lot of it burned out a lot of organizations I feel almost like this is some sort of soft reset of NullSec and basically saying, okay, 
everybody out of the pool. We're fixing things. <laughs> we got to drain it, clean it. Yeah, but they're not going to literally say that. They're just going to make it super unrewarding. And then they can do whatever changes they have to do. And then that's going to make NullSec attractive again. I mean, they've done this before in uh, less than elegant ways with uh, issues that have become rampant, right? So for a while, um, Titans could track uh, smaller ships with more or less with impunity, right? So it was very popular for uh, Titans to just enter a battlefield uh, in, in numbers like two to five and just turn the tide in uh, like a 200 versus 200 fight because they could just track uh, the ships really well and just do an obscene amount of damage quickly. And as this started to grow, this problem uh, of tracking Titans, CCV went and just said, you know what? Titan guns can't track anything now. Boom, fixed. See you later. And they they literally just left Titans broken as just bridge machines for what felt like two or three years. Uh, and so I guess that's a, this is a, a more structured way to do the, that type of reset. Instead of changing the actual tools, the things that are quote-unquote wrong, instead they're changing the environments in which they operate in to take away their advantages. Okay, let's look at the ISK that's coming into the economy. Uh, Captain McLeod, can you put this next slide up? This is, um, this is the last six months uh, of economic reports, February, March, April, May, June, July. Uh, you can see there's three sections of, of the chart here. The first section is NPC bounties from killing rats, as we call it. The second section is NPC commodities, meaning blue loot and overseer's effects and stuff that you that drops and you go and sell it to an NPC. And then the third section on the right that's smaller is incursions, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. Noisy, uh, talk us through the drops you see there. Okay, well... Obviously, the, the biggest drop is in the bounties. Um, there, I mean, it, it, it was. I mean, the drop started, you know, uh, it, with changes made in March, uh, and it's like what? It's basically gone down in more than half uh, over time over the last five months or so. Uh, if you also, one of the interesting things is the NPC commodities. I heard somebody on one of the talk shows uh, say. That well, people are just going from null sack to wormholes, and but if you take a look at the NPC commodities, you see that the blue loot isn't getting turned in. I mean, the commodities is actually going down, and if I'm correct, the uh, there's also new commodities from Triglavians. So because they have like that 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 they have the red loot, right? So I'm so I'm assuming that the Red loot and the blue loot are being combined into the NPC commodities. Are, there's a, somebody I need to ask about that, but I'm assuming that. So it's not that people are leaving null sec for wormholes or null sec for whatever. It's going down too. So th I mean that that's kind of a significant thing to me. And then with the incursions, I'm assuming that the in, the Triglavian invasions are being rolled up into that, but that's an assumption. I don't have that confirmed. So my, my bet, if I had to make a guess, um, it would be that red loot is in fact included along with blue loot. Red loot has actually existed before invasions. You can also get them in the abyss. They represent about a third of your non-jackpot income for an abyssal runner, probably. And they represent about a little bit under a half of the 
salvage slash loot benefit from invasions. And then I think that the incursion one would also include the payouts that you get after finishing sites, because those are the direct payouts for both invasions and incursions. So I would I would expect both of those to go up as we see people completing invasions and people completing incursions. The fact that we don't shows just how dramatically those other activities have gone down. Well, and incursions are going to be a little bit more volatile in general because some of the site spawns are going to be unfarmable. Some of them are going to be very farmable and will skew the curve a bit, et cetera. Some, sometimes snuff will just get pissed off and will go and kill your mothership. So that's all you get. You know, there's a number of things can happen. They also reduced the overall number of in, incursions when invasions were released. Yeah. So that's interesting. Can we have the next slide, please? Uh, which is, let's look at um, a spotlight on Delve for a moment. Delve is one of the most economically productive, or, or I don't know what the right word is, uh, is productive reasons, uh, regions. We'll go with that. Uh, the section on the left is, uh, okay, the section on the left is actually minerals mined because a lot of people in Delve like to mine minerals. And the section on the right is NPC bounties from ratting. We didn't put any incursion stuff on this slide because it's not that big a deal. Uh, for, uh, it's, it's not helpful for this. Um, you can see the, that two months ago was a really, really, really low month. That's June. That's because uh, Delve emptied out and everyone went north for a short war action. That's, uh, they all went to tribute slash pure blind slash veil. Uh, and uh, no one was home to guard the house. So no, very little ratting and mining happened. And most of what did happen popped. <laughs> so, uh, so just ignore June in Delve. But as you could see, uh, you know, they came back and there's blackout happening in July. Not the whole month, but most of it. And there's still some mining and rat happening. So Delve is not completely dead, but it's much lower than it was months ago. Yeah, and it does seem like uh, Delve is actually doing comparatively better than other places too, right? Like uh, they're adapting faster, it seems, uh, when you compare the drop-off in Delve to the drop-off in uh, other, other regions, right? Yeah, one of the things about that's interesting about the, the graph that you're displaying now is that the mining the minerals mined went up, but that's the value of the minerals mined. So as you have less mining, the value can go up, and so that and so as you know, as the goons in the Imperium in Delve are doing their thing and they are continuing to mine at a higher rate and higher amounts than the rest of Nullsack because basically they've got you know that are so organized. Uh, so therefore, the, what the value of what they're doing is going up. So it may not be that there's more people mining. It's just that the value of what they're mining is going up, uh, which uh, helps out the which helps out the Imperium a lot. And then with the NPC bounties, those don't change according to market values. A you know a a battleship is going to give you the same amount of bounty uh, every single time. So. Yeah, so that that kind of explains why the the mining might be going up as opposed to the 
ratting. It's not necessarily that people have stopped ratting and are now mining. It's super neat that, uh, or super interesting rather, that between May and July, the ratting in Delve in terms of NPC bounties didn't really go down that much. Like it barely took a hit. I mean, the the Imperium is super organized. They've got their. I mean, I, I think it shows what having a lot of people who are very organized can do in this game. Uh, it, you know, I, I know that the Imperium, and I know that Matani and, and uh, the leadership in, in uh, the Imperium like to tout, you know, how, you know, how they're playing the game right and how they're, they're doing things that are the most efficient. I, I think that what's going on with Blackout is demonstrating that 100% that that's the case. Okay. Do we want to talk about Sinks or do we want to, um, yeah. Uh, do we want to go on to predictions for the August MER? Uh, do Sinks. This is really interesting. Okay. Do Sinks. Do Sinks. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, could Captain McLeod, could you put up the third slide? This one surprised me a little bit. Uh, first, let me talk you through a little bit what you're seeing. On the left, you see uh, overall aggregate. ISK being added to the New Eden economy uh, the last six months. So each one of those bars represents uh, what it, what happened in February, ISK added in March, April, May, June, July. The second section shows ISK removed, so it goes the other direction. The bigger the bar below, the more ISK removed from the economy in February, March, April, May, June, etc. And then the, the trickiest part of this is the third section, which the MER refers to as active ISK Delta, and by which they mean um, ISK that disappeared from the game merely because the account stopped playing or, uh, uh, and went inactive. That it may have stopped playing because they got banned. <laughs> it might have stopped playing because the, you know, the, the player took a break from Eve and this person might come back in two years or it could be anything. It could be anything. I like the little triangle for Delta. Uh, nice, nice touch. So uh, let's, uh, Noisy, let me throw it to you again and ask you, did these, did any of these progressions surprise you? Um, no, not really. Um, the, I, I, I expected that the, the, uh, faucets were going to go down. I expected that the 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 sinks the sinks staying relatively stable kind of indicates that whoever was doing the sinks, uh, whoever's affected by the sinks, basically it's the same old same old, and it almost it almost implies that there's the same amount of players. And if you really want to go a little bit tinfoil, it's that the all those extra accounts that we don't see being plexed and, and, and out there in, in space in Nullsec, that those are just like basically extra accounts of players. And so the, they can't multi-box or they can't AFK anymore, so they have just shut them down. So that, that could be the explanation of what we're seeing there. And then the uh, activist Delta, it looks like if all the people that said that they were going to unsub, they did so in June and not July. Hmm. What happened in June guys think back uh drifters drifters not in in, in july was blackout but june J july was mid-july was blackout before that was drifters attacks right yeah and the tribute war 
And Tribute War was before Drifters, but that was in, was that June? June. Yeah, that tailed into June, yeah. Yeah, so okay. oh, I, I was going to say something, but if we're going to do predictions, then I, I can wait for that. I do want to do predictions. I'm excited about uh, <laughs> it. Things are happening. Things Eve is changing. Where's it going? We're most of the way through August already. What do we think we're going to see? Uh, uh, what do we think we're going to see in uh, in September for the August report? Well, the first thing, and I feel very confident in saying this, is that we are going to see that the faucets will exceed the sinks. I, I mean, I think that there's no doubt in that, uh, not just because of reduced activity in NullSec, but also because of uh, the new taxes that were imposed. So between those two, it's definitely going to be faucets outpacing sinks. And that's, that's the thing I'm most uh, confident, about, confident about saying. Hmm. Ash, are you still here? I am. You have any any? Uh, what is your bottom line on this? Well, um, I, I, I see. I mean, like a lot of my experience is very anecdotal. Um, I kind of feel like I'm often in a different bubble than everybody else. Um, I think that it just goes back to what I was saying before, which is that I think that CCP is just kind of shutting off the the party. So that way they can clean up a bit. And I'm, I think that it's too, it's, I think it's far too premature to make too many assessments based on what's going on, given the fact that we are currently still ongoing constant changes. So we, we don't know what the effects are because we're still, there's still things coming. Right. Like uh, the, so I believe that some of the, a lot of these changes, some of these changes are not necessarily the long-term end state, but a rather a transitionary state. I think things like blackout will probably stay, but some of the, like tr drifters, drifters only lasted for a few weeks. So um, what it means for right now is interesting, but I don't think it necessarily has a ton of value for what it's going to be like in six months or if you know we are on a growth curve or not or any of those kinds of things. It's too volatile to get that sort of long-term prediction. Yeah, I, I agree about trying to go out six months because we have no idea what CCP is going to be doing. And I, I mean that legitimately. We don't know what they're going to do. But for like, if we're just talking about next month's MER, uh, based on what I'm seeing uh, on, the, on the Plex market, based on seeing what I'm seeing in the Dotlin numbers, um, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that activity is going to go down even more. And I'm also thinking that uh, the... Next investor call for Pearlbis in November is going to be very interesting to see. You think their revenue is going down too? Oh, definitely. What do you think, Carneros? I think if we're looking at, if we remember back to the major ISK sources slide where we talked about um, NPC bounties and then NPC commodities, red and blue loot, and then incursions, I think incursions are going to just be just like they were. It's going to go up and down a little bit uh, with its randomness and basically look just like the rest of the last six months. I think the NPC commodities between July and August are going to be flat, even though there's more red coming in. So it's basically going to be August looking like July. And I think NPC bounties, the first section, will be another drop. So I think August will be lower than July. 
How much lower? I don't 10% lower, something like that, I'm going to guess. Man, September with the the sino changes this is going to be like insane with the the drop that it's going to be, right? Cuz that's going to be the the real uh kick to to yep. the umbrellas, right? That's when the the delves, the esoterias, the malpaces are no longer going to be adapting better than everyone else. They're going to yep. be just equally as as bad as, as everywhere else. We'll see a space. taste of that until October MER. Exactly. Yeah. Until so that's going to be That's going to be wild. What really struck out to me is and, and this is something that everyone's always said and I've always like gone along with and I've agreed with. But the extent to which wormholers make money on the blue loot is shocking to me. Like right now, they're making what, like 12 trillion compared to the 28 trillion income for all of Nullsec combined in terms of uh, bounties and stuff like that. That's absolutely nuts that such a small, uh, I don't want to say wormholers are really small, but like such a small percentage of the population can wield so much money in terms of stuff that they've you know always been doing and it's always been pretty consistent it's not like these null suckers are just like screw it we're going to wormholes now because uh, that's not the case just the, the wormholes have been making boku bucks this entire time it's uh it's absolutely surprising and they know it they know it yeah one yeah. of the interesting things about this is that the tax changes actually decreased the amount of isk being getting, gotten, it was a nerf to all NPC buy orders because you now have to still pay the new fees in spite of the fact that you're buying it from a buy order. So this is on top of a, what, 2 to 5% reduction in all uh, loot value from red loot and blue loot. Wow, good point. Well, but they're getting hit too with this missile change, right? They should slow down. That's that. a very small portion. Yeah, those are like the those are the bad guys of the the wormholers, right? Yeah, yeah. From, from my understanding, it requires very particular wormhole effects and can only be utilized by like individuals effectively. So this is not that's not the predominant mechanism for pulling loot out of out of wormholes. But yeah, I wonder if uh, I wonder if a lot of people are going to say or look at this data. People that were there's like middling alliances, medium to small level. Uh, that may be part of a larger block. They might just say, you know what? This null dream is dead. Let me move in the wormhole space and make even more money, not have to pay rent, and you know, see what happens there. Don't have wormhole or local either way. Might as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Or if I don't want to make as much money, but I want that continued AFK watch a movie while I play gameplay, I'll move into a high sec or, you know. I don't know. The Mraznaborgs, they'll come for you. One thing I've noticed... One thing I've noticed is there are a couple of nullsec groups that are picking up more moons in lowsec, so they can mine them there where they're, they're still is local. Also, the moons in lowsec low are actually just better. Yeah, but that may be a temporary thing. If 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 it goes in the direction we kind of assume that uh, blackout will extend to lowsec at some point, that's a prediction. I've actually seen a lot of nullsec groups go more towards doing moon stuff because it's uh, when you do the the fracking or whatever when you break it off, it's kind of predictable, so you can plan a, like a defense op around when you're going to be getting it and uh, the amount of time you spend mining like one of those moons it's it's uh like more isk per minute right than you would be out it's uh, getting spot right so I, i've seen a lot of milsec groups do that when you look at um solitude i know initiative have kind of taken over all the moons in solitude and you can see if you look at the mer there's like a big bump in sol- not solitude syndicate 
Um, so that's, that's literally all initiative mining moons. It's not like they're Oracle mining uh, spot or nice or anything like that. It's just all moon stuff. So I've seen that that transition happen a bit, which is good. Uh, I think a lot of people have kind of. Uh, well, it sounds like to me that the, stuff with moons. the shift is put the lucrative money or the yeah the put the real money where the activity is. No, the real money went to wormholes. But that's activity, or is that just the do they AFK those as well? Well, no, but uh, I, I, it's activity, but. It's Maybe they set themselves population. up and just walk away from the computer uh, and make a ton of money in wormholes. I don't know. That's that's pretty dangerous to do. Maybe the the short term slash midterm solution is just to make these moons more profitable, right? So make them even the if you want to uh, entice people to do more, give a little bit more reward in NullSec. Maybe just do it through the moons uh, because it's something that you know people are already going toward. Uh, it's something that's predictable. It's, it kind of goes back to like the old moon system, right? Where it was, uh, you knew where it was, you knew how to disrupt the income. You knew when there was going to be like, you could schedule it on your calendar when there's going to be a fight. So maybe something like that is, is on the table. And I know a lot of people would, uh, be very happy that that place I would be coming back. I would say that, you know, we have a, we have an expand, we are getting very close to another expansion. So we're getting very close to the state where they could put more things in instead of taking things out, which is what they've been doing, really. So I think that, that it's, it's worth thinking big about what this could potentially be because it's, it, it feels like it might not be just like a normal tweak. It'll be new content being introduced based on all of the tech and all of the developments that they've made over the last four or five years. Yeah, it's always funny, like uh, when you just have a macro view of of like how Eve Online has gone, right? So in the beginning, there were these like quarterly Jesus features that they called them, right? And they're just introduced some cool new flashy thing to distract you from all the other shit that was broken, and it was fun. Like you'd be like, "Oh, there's new stuff to do. All my friends are coming yeah. back. Yeah, they want to see all this good new stuff." New toys. And then Eve players were like, "Oh, we want iteration. We want like these small changes really quickly." Um, to, we want you to iterate on what you've done and we just want you know, a lot of back-end fixes. We want you to fix all this technical debt. And so CCB went in that direction for a while and then players were like, man, we're so bored. There's no cool Jesus features. This game sucks. <laughs> yeah. So like they just they just oscillate back and forth. So I have no idea what they're going to do for this one, right? Because it didn't feel like uh, introducing the Abyss space was like a Jesus feature or anything like that. It was neat. I like it. Uh, and I think the, like um, the way they've done invasions is like strangely well thought out. Like they even did their community thing with like the invasion theme. Um, and so now it seems like we're kind of not done with invasions, but like the big next thing is like chaos, uh, the chaos era. So I wonder what the expansions in the chaos era are going to be like. I, I think we still have uh, the more of the Triglavian uh, storyline to go. And so I'm expecting another expansion sometime in October to be announced around E Vegas, if not announced at uh, G Fleet. At this point, I would not be surprised if, if September was Invasion Chapter 2. But yes, we do have a Chapter 2 coming sooner rather than later. Well, listen, we, we hear from a lot of different players, but it's uh, overwhelming that, at least from the, the people from Imperium, which is the largest group, so you would expect the largest representation, 
are fairly dissatisfied with the way things are going. Uh, they feel like their friends are leaving and that their gameplay is like brought to a halt. Is there any relief for them in, uh, in sight, do you think? Well, I think that's maybe outside the scope of the MER, but what do you guys think? You might be right, Carter. This is highly speculative, but, um, you know, like, I, I still believe that what we're looking at is some sort of future um, drifter content in NullSec. Um, I, I've said it before. I, my, my actual prediction is that the drifters will start taking soft starting in the road drone regions. Um, and that that will open up some new sort of content that will allow you to unlock new and different rewards, um, up to and including potentially access to drifter technology. Uh, that seems to be the kind of thing that they're building towards. And while that may not be literally true, I think that that's like the vein of things that, that, that that's the direction that they're looking at. That's the kind of thing that they're looking at introducing. Okay, we're we're roughly 90 minutes into the show. So I'd like to move us from the MER, though, to the monthly security report. This is the new separate report that looks at um, anti-botting, anti-RMT, real money transaction stuff. Uh, can, we, can we look at the picture for that next? Noisy, give us an overview of, uh, of your thoughts on what you, what you thought when you saw the July report. When I saw the July report, um, I was thinking it looks like one, it looks like all the uh, things that CCP has been doing to combat account hacking is, is coming through. Uh, if you take a look at the uh, number of account hacking or uh, of accounts that were banned for account hacking, which is basically to safeguard them, uh, that number went down was down almost 60% compared to the average monthly average from July, uh, January to June. Uh, the amount of botting went down, uh, which I kind of expected. Um, at least the bands uh, went down basically the amount, it went down 62.5% uh, in July compared to the average bands in the first half of 2019. And then something that I also kind of expected uh, was bans for RMT going up because if people are seeing the changes and saying we don't like this and we're just going to get uh, uh, get out of the game, then a lot of them are going to try to cash out and it looks like they've been getting caught. Okay, so for those of you who are listening to the podcast and can't actually see the chart in front of us, let me describe it to you for a moment. Um, under account hacking, um, we're showing the uh, average of January through June, and then we're showing July. Uh, and it's less than half. July is less than half of what an average month has been for uh, account hacking uh, evidence. Um, the bans that occur for account hacking are actually sort of defensive bans rather than offensive bans. They're, they're protecting the, tar the victim's account rather than removing the hacker. Uh, but, it, you know, it still get, tells you how much hacking is happening. And only 301 uh, for, for July is lower than the average of 731 for previous months. Looking at the botting part of the chart, um, yeah, botting bans went from an average of 2,074 per month 
to 777 in July. And we can ascribe a chunk of that to blackout. Am I right? Oh, yeah, you definitely can ascribe that. Uh, yeah. A lot of the uh, botters are, at least according to the, the forums that I've seen, they basically decided to sit this one out until uh, blackout went out. Uh, unfortunately for them, unfortunately for everybody else, uh, they're going to have to rethink that strategy because, um, yeah, it looks like blackout's going to be around for a while. Would that account for a PCU drop as well that people keep referring to? Oh, yeah. That, I mean, because if you figure, okay, figure that the average EVE player stays online for maybe three hours a day, and the botters are probably staying on for between eight and 10 hours a day on an account, and then they switch an account to go for another eight to 10 hours. Um, yeah, so basically a small amount of uh, botting accounts can make up a lot of the difference that you see for uh, average us users online. So the, the, the PCU is the concurrent players that, that people, that's a list that we can look at. We can look at uh, eve-offline.com shows how many people are playing the game throughout the day. And it's a big curve that repeats over and over again every day. Those numbers seem to be soft and that has indicated to people that players are leaving the game, but it also indicates if it indicates that at all, it can definitely indicate that botters are not able to work in this environment. Yeah, it's like, I mean, we know that regular players are not logging in also, but the botters are kind of, I mean, the botters are left more defenseless because of this than regular players. Okay. The stat that I find most interesting out of this, though, is if you scroll down, you'll see the new player graph, which appears to have seen a pretty good spike as we entered into the beginning of this year, and then went up a little bit more as we entered into invasion with all of this new news that was had been out in the in the circulating around and actually has remained strong. So new players or new accounts at least are being made at the same rate if not greater than before. But the peak concurrent users, the number of people playing at any given time is going down or seems to be in the lull. You know, and and that I mean if you want to get cynical, that could be uh a, uh, a function of the bots getting banned and then therefore the botters need to uh, create a new bot farm and so therefore they need to create the new characters. I agree, that's pretty cynical. But normally <laughs> this starts to go up in September, right? Normally yeah. our PCU will start to go back up in September each year. Yeah, basically if you look over time, uh, August is the lowest month for activity. September will either level off and go up and go up a little uh, go slightly up and then october is when you really start to see the numbers go back up okay so I, i'm gonna uh throw noisy on the spot here one more time here and ask him okay uh if um if ccp if you're giving advice to ccp's anti-botting team and you're like guys go look at this other part of the game where would you send them? Because, you know, if Blackout's kind of putting the botting stuff on hold for null at the moment, at least in terms of ratting and mining, where would you send them to look next at the next lowest hanging fruit? Any any ideas? Okay, before, before I go on, uh, one, the security team should stay on the account hacking uh, and, and trying to reduce that because 
as long as we have skill injectors, that needs to be the number one priority. Number two, good point. Number two, still need to concentrate on nullsec because you you don't want to let up on any progress that they've made. So you want to keep that going. So that's so you still want to have those two as your top two priorities. Then your third priority probably needs to be uh, factional warfare bots. Not only because that's a way that you, that the uh, botters can, you know, ca- uh, use the loyalty point store and be able to get uh, ISK that way, but it, just because of the effect it has on players in low sec who are involved in factional warfare. Uh, a lot of, from what I've read and heard, a lot of the players are really just um, are, are really ready to give up on it because what's the use of of uh, fighting over the war zone if a whole bunch of farmers and botters are just going to come in and ruin all their work anyway. So that's the third one. And then the fourth thing, believe it or not, is to look out for new technology, new botting technology, because if the botters ever figure out, a, bot developers ever figure out a way to uh, develop abyssal site bots, that's going to be really that, that potentially could be really bad. Good point. All right. Any, anything else that you're picking up from keeping your eye on this subject out there? Um, basically, I, w- I would say that um, don't I mean, see right now. This, I think CCP security team is looking a little bit better to Pearl Abyss because a couple months ago, uh, the Black Desert Online security team uh, did a really big oopsie and we're banning lots of people that shouldn't have been banned. So uh, I would say that that CCP, that the EVE Online security team just needs to keep uh, being kind of cautious and making sure that they try to uh, have as many legit bans as possible. Uh, I mean, that just makes them look better to Pearl Abyss as well as the a player base in general. Um, and 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 just keep doing that. And also... I don't know how much input they have into uh, design changes in EVE Online, but if they don't have any input, uh, CCP Burger and, and Hilmar and everybody else needs to be asking uh, the security team what that they can, you know, wh- you know, what do they need to watch out for when they make these design changes? Good, good points. Good points. All right. Um... We're, we're winding down the show now, and we have a new tradition. It's not even that new now. We've been doing this for weeks and weeks, which is to go around the room and give a tip that players might not know about EVE Online to help them play. Uh, and this is our way of, uh, of, instead of doing shout outs, of winding down the show. So I'll give you guys all a moment to think of yours, and uh, I'll go first with mine. Let's say you fly a capital or super capital ship and you probably have a cap booster fitted in your mid slots because capacitor is life. Uh, They taught a whole class on that at Eve University. Capacitor is life. And you need to have lots of cap charges in your ship, but you can only fit so many cap charges in your ship. How do you fit more in? I'll tell you a trick for that. Uh, uh, Hang on. There is a there's a Minmatar industrial ship, uh, and it, it is called the crap, the one with the ammo bay. The hoarder. The hoarder. 
Uh, it has a special bay that's not just for cargo, it's for ammo, and it can fit hundreds of 3,200 cap charges in it, the largest ones. Uh, so what, what I will do is I'll b- actually build, you know, my, my guys will do it for me because I don't do this very well. My guys will build me 100 at a time of these hoarders and stuff them full of uh, 3,200 cap charges and put them in a hangar. So anytime I grab a cap or a super cap ship, I can grab one or two of those, throw them in my ship maintenance array, ship maintenance bay, and take them with me and go out into the world so that if I have somewhere, if I run uh, low on cap charges, I can go pull some out of that bay and put them in my ship. Or if things get really, really dire on the battlefield and I'm dying, I can eject the ship, shoot it, and then take loot out of its smoking wreck to put more 3,200 cap charges in on an emergency basis. So it's it's like a little capacitor handbag, huh? Exactly. <laughs> I guarantee you there is a not insignificant group of people at CCP that had no idea that that's how that mechanic works. The fact that you can just travel with uh, with extra, you can like compress cap boosters more or less by taking a, a prowler or an industrial with you. I hope I didn't mess something up. Wow. Well, next some... week, added to patch notes. Yeah, this is <laughs> this section we call it. Uh, you may not know. Uh, I'll go next because this is something that I think new players could learn from. One of the problems with undocking, especially in a very congested system like Jita, is that you don't actually see your user interface until it might be too late. You might actually get targeted and blown up before you're able to even uh, see the overview where you can tap on the area you're going to and hit uh, warp to. So what I like to do is whenever I uh, jump a gauge or come out of a station is the top left will have your path. If you set autopilot, you'll have a path and there's a little colorful squares that show you what the security level of that system is that you're going to be traveling in. So you can kind of predict the danger that you're going to be getting into. Well, if you right click on any of those little squares, they will show you, um, or if you right click on the furthest left, which is the very next system you're going to jump into, you can actually warp from there. And that lights up really quickly right after you, uh, even before you load your uh, overview. And that's what I use to warp to make sure that I get my warp off as quickly as possible. Nice tip. Exxon Fangs. All right. So I got one for the new players. So one thing that's exceptional about the community in EVE is most players really love helping new players out or even returning veterans. Uh, And if you ever get in a situation where you don't know what's going on or if you got killed by someone, don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, if you got killed by someone, open a convo with them, say, hey, I'm new. What did I do wrong? How did you know? How did you kill me? Was it a trap, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you can go on streams. Almost every single streamer is going to answer your questions. If you say you're new and ask something they can answer, uh, your corporation leadership, your recruitment, basically just don't be afraid to ask questions and ask a lot of them. It's the quickest way you're going to learn this game. And if they give you bad answers, find somebody else to ask questions to. Good point. Elise. Uh, I'm just dovetailing off that. A lot of the times, if you combo the guy that killed you, he's going to feel like some sort of space remorse and tell you how you could have done it better. Not all the times, but usually when I kill someone that's relatively new and I don't realize they're new and then they combo me afterwards to, to complain, I feel real bad. So I just give them their stuff back. 
Um, but yeah, for for like my my tip of the week, there is a module that is uh, probably the least used module in the game called the Target Spectrum Breaker, and uh, no one ever actually figured out exactly how it worked because it was such a niche uh, like use case that no one really cared about it. It's a module that can only be fit on battleships, and when you click it, uh, it breaks a certain amount of locks based on the amount of incoming locks you have on your ship. It was supposed to be like this anti-blob module that just got forgotten about and left to die. However, there was one weird idiot that figured out exactly how it worked, and that is, his name is Elise Randolph, and uh, I'll share with you, since it's no longer useful anymore, how it works. Um, so it's broken in clumps of incoming target locks uh, in groups of 10. So from 0 to 10, you've got like a 5% chance to break incoming locks. And it scales all the way up until there are 60 incoming locks on you. Whether you have 60 or 6,000, it doesn't go up any more than that. You've got a 40% chance to break an incoming lock. And, you know, it causes quite a lot of havoc because it also works with drones and stuff like that. Um, you know, the, the use case that we used it for back in the day was if we were flying Dominixes or rattlesnakes, we would assign all of our drones to one person and then just let this target spectrum breaker run on repeat. So people locking us, uh, you know, they, they wouldn't be able to lock us half the time anyways. And cause it also breaks your lock. That's why no one really uses it. Um, but when your drones are assigned to someone else, who cares if you have a lock or not? So there you go, the Target Spectrum Breaker, a module you'll never, ever use until they fix it because it's crappy. Uh, I've actually got an interesting use case for that. If you're flying around in a fleet that uses command destroyers to boosh around your fleet, you can use the Target Spectrum as you boosh into an enemy's fleet and break any locks on people trying to scram your boosters, which would lock them down and make them not uh, take the jump with the rest of your fleet. So it's a really good defensive module if you're doing something like that. Huh. Wow. Okay, last call for tips. I'm about to make a lot of my friends mad. Um, so <laughs> Secrets. <laughs> there used to be an agency drugs that were releasable through doing various agency events. The, the, the events that you guys know about, uh, like Frostline, etc. So all these different events drop these different agency drugs, which are drugs that just give you straight up bonuses, either tank or damage. And then there's one other that I can't think of what it does off the top of my head. Either way, so with the end of agency events as we know it, we haven't seen any agency drugs since, I think, February. Well, as of the last patch, you can now purchase the Tier 2 agency drugs on the DED market. So there has been a handful of people making a lot of money over the last two weeks with this knowledge. And now the rest of you know it, too. So you can get your agency drugs for your Abyss Runners and other things. And... Uh, if you are, if you do have a bunch of DED LP and you've been sitting on it thinking that it's only useful for those skins, congratulations, it's worth money now. This is my shocked face. Wow, I did not know you could do that. <laughs> I was making a bunch of money doing that. Sorry, I apologize. All good things must come to an end, right? Yeah. I've been paying a fortune. <laughs> but it's only the T2, so it's only the level 2, so 3s and 4s still are extraordinarily rare, and we don't know if they're going to come back or not. Wow. Uh, how are we, Carneros, on time? Are we done? Yeah, I think we're done. I, I want to thank Noisy Gamer, Ash Tarothi, and Exxon Fang for helping us out. I want to thank our producer, McLeod, who worked his butt off today. Thank you, sir. 
Oh, and again, thanks to Madderall and Elise Randolph for helping this. Uh, my name is Carneros, and thank you for joining Talking in Stations.